It's good stuff. It's so good to have you guys here today. I want you to just take a deep breath, relax. We'll just be here for a few minutes. And uh, I just want to share the word with you. Um, Today we start a series called Going In. Um, Before we get to that, I just want to say we are celebrating today the greatest day, what represents today as the greatest day in history. Why do I say that? Because, you know, on the cross, Jesus bore our sins. But on Sunday, the third day, he rose again, and he is alive forevermore. Isn't this good? So we are celebrating a God who is alive forevermore. This is awesome. And because he's alive, I believe that we could be alive. And I believe the things that seem to have died in our lives can be brought to life again. And so this series, Going In, let me, let me explain it to you where it came from. Um, in the future, not this week, but next week, we're going to be looking at the Israelites and how they were uh, going into the promised land. Today, we're going to look at the resurrection. But the going in is not simply like a physical going in. Um, a few months ago, when I was, uh, before this whole series was formulated, I was with my son, we're watching a basketball game. And this one player in particular, I don't even remember who it was at this point, um, but he was, just, he was just having an amazing game. I mean, stealing the ball, dunking it. Uh, he's just, you know, he's all over the court, just dominating on each end of the court. And I'm sitting there with my youngest son, and he said, man, he is going in. And I said, What? He is going in. And I didn't understand. I said, you've got to tell me what going in means. Who, who's ever heard of going in? I mean, with emphasis on the in, right? Okay. So uh, I heard that I, I needed, I mean, he's 14. I didn't, I didn't understand it. So he, he begins to describe that going in is like, you know, giving your all, like going off, like, you know, going nuts, giving, putting your, all your energy into something, you know, um, just dominating or, or uh, going above and beyond, you know, this is going in dead. And so I, you know, I let that rest a little bit. I'm like, you know, you gotta, you gotta be teachable, right? Doesn't matter what age you are. And uh, so I'm like, okay, cool, going in. Well, a little bit later, my son's playing some video game, and he's talking about this guy that's just wiping his entire team out, right? Uh, You know, my son's team, they're uh, playing some video game or something. Like, man, that guy's going in. And I'm thinking, I got it. I understand it. I'm with you now. Going in, okay? Emphasis on the in, okay? So anyway, uh, so we are talking about a series and starting a series today on going in, okay? And just not letting anything hold us back from the promises of God. And so if you're still wondering what in the world is this guy talking about, like I would say or describe the opposite of this phrase going in as sort of, you know, comfortable, lackadaisical, distracted, losing focus, uh, you know, not, not uh, putting forth any effort. You know, it's like if you're, if you're in a sport, you don't want those kind of people on your team, you know. They don't care if they win. There's no competition factor, all that stuff. Well, we are talking about spiritual things as it relates to going in. And, and I believe that there's promises. I believe Jesus has made promises. I believe the scriptures contain amazing promises uh, that really it takes us 
uh, believing in going in or going after to, to achieve. Are you with me? And so I, I want to look at a, at a scripture today as a starting point because we want to let nothing block us from God's promises. And um, really, if you think about it, let's just back up for a second. The message of the resurrection, the message of Easter is uh, related to God's promises. You know, it's related to God's promises and the fulfillment of them. And there's amazing implications for us as, as, as people who are interested in knowing God, as people who follow God, as people who pursue uh, knowing him more. And so the message of the resurrection is this, that the spirit of God is able to make the things that are dead and dying in our lives alive. He's able to bring the things that are dead and dying in our lives back to life. And so I want to talk to you about it from that perspective, okay? Um, the, the passage that I want to start off with is in Romans 8.11. And let me tell you, on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night, something like this, all night long, this, this, I, I'm trying to sleep, you know, and, you know, God sometimes doesn't care about, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, all night long, this, this message, this, this passage is stirring in my heart. It's like, it's like, uh, all night long, I felt like I was quoting it, like I was breaking it down, like I was talking about it while I'm lying in bed to nobody, you know what I'm saying? Maybe in my dreams or whatever. And so I just felt like so strongly that God wanted me to look at this and, and uh, talk from this verse. So I believe in my heart that there's a message for all of us today. Everyone in this room, I believe God's got something for you today. And let's just start off by, by uh, looking at this Romans 8, 11. And it says this, and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. This, this spirit, this, this power that was so powerful that it took a dead man and made him alive. Now, historically, we know that people have been raised from the dead. We believe that. It's happening even in our day. Uh, um, but those people who are brought back to life die again. Okay? This spirit that raised Jesus to life, Jesus came alive and lived forevermore, right? So the other ones we'll call resuscitated and we'll call Jesus resurrected, made alive again. So that spirit that lives, that spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And might I add, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you, if you believe in the living God, if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, this spirit, this power is alive in every follower of Jesus Christ. This, this is something that is amazing. I mean, the greatest power on the face of the planet is living inside of believers, of followers of Jesus Christ. I, I mean, this is powerful. You know what I mean? This is powerful. There's no limits to what God can do in and through a person who's filled with his spirit. And so uh, that spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, it says, to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So it's not something that is a past, um, a, a, a past experience or a past account, but it is something that is present. He will give life. He is in the process of giving life. So I want to look at those words. I looked those up. It's actually one word in the Greek. That what's translated is give life. And um, it's expanded or described as this, to make alive with life, which doesn't really help us too much. 
But then these words, these, these descriptive words are associated with it. To revitalize, to rejuvenate, to make alive again. So, so here's, here's this statement, this promise of God that the same spirit that did some amazing work in Jesus Christ to take him from uh, in a tomb to breathe life into him, again, into him again, where there was eyewitnesses' accounts all over the place that he was alive again after he had died, is present and alive in the life of a believer. And what this means for us today is this, that Easter is not just something we look back at and celebrate, but the Easter resurrection experience, or the Easter resurrection is something that we can personally experience today. There are things that are dead in our life that God wants to bring alive again. And so I want to talk to you about those things, what those possibilities could be for just a few moments. Um, Because the reality is, you know, it's easy to celebrate Good Friday and what Jesus did on the cross. But the beautiful part about it all is he's not on the cross anymore. They took him down from the cross. They placed him in a tomb and the power of the spirit of the living God uh, brought that dead body to life to live forevermore. That is why we're celebrating. And that same resurrection power is available to us today. So let's talk about the things that could possibly be dead or dying in our lives. The reality is all of us, all of us have some stuff that maybe we're challenged by, we're struggling in. You know, if we look at various elements of our lives, the reality is it'd be very challenging or hard to say that everything is full of life. Everything is loaded with hope. Everything is, is, is oozing with joy in my life, right? Now, if, if that's any of you, we need to talk because I need some of that in my life, okay? So there's probably some things that are dead or dying that, or that could be rejuvenated by the resurrection power of, of God, uh, revitalized to, to make alive again. So l- let's just look at a few elements of just everyday life, okay? This is going to be practical because I'm pretty practical. You know, emotionally, I, I don't know about you, but I run into people who sometimes are struggling emotionally. You know, it, it's, a, it's a hard life to live nowadays. Life is busy, life is challenging, there's stresses everywhere. So I run into people that sometimes are stressed out. You know, they're, they're maxed out, they're overloaded, they, they have no joy. Maybe they're going through some turmoil in their life. They, they spend nights sleep in a sleepless state, you know. Uh, um, and, and, you know, they're lacking sleep, which adds, exacerbates or makes the, the situation even harder to deal with, you know, sleeplessness. Um, and, and so discouraged, uh, emotionally uh, uh, stressed, depressed. I mean, does anyone know anyone like that? Right? I mean, is this a common thing in our culture? The spirit of the living God wants to take those dead things and make them alive or make them alive again. Amen? Well, that might just be, that might have described a couple of us in this room. You know, other, other of us are thinking, well, I'm good then. You know, that's good. But how about relationships? Is there any relationships in your life that are dead or dying? You know? I mean, someone cut you off. Someone's mad at you. Someone, you know, every time you see them makes you feel like you're worthless. You know, a loved one. So, uh, they say the pain of relational, that, that relational pain is way worse than physical pain. 
You know, your heart just feels like it's, it's shattered in pieces and you're, and you're left trying to sweep up the, the shattered fragments um, to just maintain hope and maintain life and go on. Anyone, anyone ever feel that way? You know, I, I mean, the reality is sometimes people are so, so mean, so harsh. And uh, relationally, we could take a hit on that. We could, we could struggle through that when, when that happens to us. It's very painful. And then as a pastor, this one is, is always something that uh, tends to need to be focused on, and that's spiritually. Spiritually, you know, some of us are dead or dying, you know. We, uh, uh, we've never come to uh, experience the greatness of God in our lives. We've been on the run, or, or maybe it's a thing of the past, you know. And, and lately, um, you know, God's feeling like he's a million miles away from us. God's feeling like, you know, no matter what I do, there's like this great chasm between he and I, and there's this great divide, and I just don't know how to bridge it. I, you know, I, I think I'm a Christian. I do good things. I go to church, but there's just, it's just, there's no life. There's no, there's, there's no life um, associated with it. Or maybe, you know, for you, you were dragged here today, you know. You're here not by your will, but by the will of someone who loves you or cares about you, you know. I've run into those people all the time. There's nothing. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Enjoy yourself. Uh, we'll be done in a few minutes, you know. <laughs> but the reality is sometimes people, you know, sometimes people have bad or negative, uh, ne- negative outlooks on church, on the church because, you know, at one point in the past, either something they heard or something they experienced had soured their entire experience toward God. And, and as a result, when they think of God or the things uh, you know, his body, the church, they're angry or cynical and they really just want nothing to do with that kind of God because God was painting, painted for them in the, in the form of a, a person that was mean, rude, or uh, horrible to them. And that's how they view God and his body and, and all that stuff. And uh, let me just tell you something. God can breathe life to any of these. God, the resurrection, the power of the resurrection says that dead things can come alive again. That's amazing, isn't it? Dead things can come alive again. It it doesn't matter how dead it is. It doesn't matter how lifeless it is. It doesn't matter how long it's been dead. Dead things can come alive. That is the message of the resurrection. So um, the next question I would ask is this. If I'm sitting in your shoes or if I'm sitting in your seat I would say, well, well, what does that look like in real life? How does that happen for me? I mean, you're telling me that these, these situations that I've experienced, this, this pain that I'm feeling, uh, this frustration that I have, um, this hurt that's going on in my heart uh, can be dealt with. How, what does that look like? Is that real? Are you making empty promises? And, and here's what I would say to you is this. There is nothing too difficult for God, and there is a way that God can bring healing or life to dead things. And so I want to talk to you, I want to share three quick points with you about how we can position ourselves to experience or encounter this resurrection life. We got to, there's a positioning, there's, there's a readiness, okay? And it doesn't, it doesn't require perfection as you're going to see. Um, but we can position ourselves to experience what God has to offer us. And it looks something like this. Here's the first point. We, this is going to be just so anticlimactic, I'm going to warn you right now, okay? Are you ready? On the count of three. The first one is believe what the word says or believe what Jesus says. 
The disciples did not do a good job of this. Let me show you in the scriptures, as he tried to warn them of his, his upcoming death and beating and resurrection, they, I don't know if they were just like out to lunch, maybe they had earbuds in their ears, you know, listening to the latest track or whatever, but they did not catch this, and he told them time and time again. Look at this in uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. It says this, and you might want to just jot these down uh, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through these relatively quickly, but you could have them for reference. Mark 8.31 says this. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Now here's the key point of this verse. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. So he begins to teach this, this He's trying to warn his disciples. Okay, guys, listen, this is going to happen. Those people over there, the religious folk, you know, those people over there, we try and stay away from religious folk or we try and help them become unreligious here at church, okay? Um, those people over there, they're going to they're gonna turn me over to be arrested, persecuted, tortured, killed. But guess what? Three days later, I'm going to rise. Okay, so, so this may be the first time this may be, you know, the beginning of something, but it says there, he began to teach them. So that implies that it happened more than once, right? Just mark down uh, Mark 9.31 because it happened again. And I'll take you to Mark 10.33. So Mark 8, Mark 9, and Mark 10, he's going to send the same message. Here's Mark 10. Saying, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. These are the words of Jesus. We are going up to Jerusalem, he and his disciples, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Once again, religious people, um, they're, they're bringing suffering upon Jesus. He's going to die. He goes on to say, they will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. So here's another, another statement, a prophetic word, if you will, or, or a, a statement of what was to come by Jesus to his disciples, right? So, so you think at this point he'd, they'd be informed? Well, guess what? They weren't informed. Uh, and this is just, you know, the, the reason I'm calling this out is because this is like you and me. You know, there's all these amazing promises of God that he has made to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And the reality is like, you know, we, we give it a, a few minutes, and if it's not fulfilled in, our, in those few minutes, then we're sort of just ready to give up on it or quit or not believe anymore, you know? I'll give you an example. Years ago, uh, I was working in, in the Liverpool area. I was not involved in ministry other than just at a church volunteering and such. And um, so I was working there, and there was a season where God... I, God was just beginning to speak to me as I was reading his word and just confirming some things that were already in my heart, heart that uh, I was being called into the ministry, right? Um, I would advise you don't do that unless uh, you're sure it's God because it's a big mistake otherwise. And so I'm, I'm assessing that whole thing, right? Like, God, is this you? And, and again and again and again. I'd be in crowds, you know, in, you know, in meetings or something. Someone would be like, hey, you, way over there. And I'm like sliding down. No, the guy who's ducking down. Would you stand up? And they be, begin to prophesy. And this person didn't know me, didn't know I was there. I wasn't even in areas that I, uh, it wasn't even in the city or the town that I lived in typically. 
God's calling you. You know, God's calling you to ministry. And I, I was trying to run from it in many ways, you know. Um, but after I finally accepted it, this is what happened. The, so, the pause button was hit, you know. And so I believed it. I'm like, okay, I'm ready, God. I'll go, I'll go to Bible school. I'll do this. I'll do that. And this pause button's hit. And I'm like, what is going on? Did I miss this? Am I missing this? Am I not understanding what you're saying to me? Uh, you know, you've spoken to me. And finally, like years later, after I finally just gave up, I just gave up. I'm like, okay, well, if I, guess, I thought I knew what you were doing, but I guess I don't know what you're doing. And in many ways, it's easy to miss the promises of God because he does things in his time and his way. And what we need to do is, if we are going to be the kind of people that position ourselves to experience this resurrection life, we need to believe what he says. It, it may be a long time since we heard what he said, but we still need to be, be believing it, you know? We, we still need to be the kind of believer that believes what he's saying. And so, um, Believing what the Word says, believing what Jesus has spoken to us, believing what the Spirit has confirmed in our hearts. We just don't know how He's going to do it, but we need to trust Him. If you want to experience resurrection life in your, in your life today, if you want some dead things to, uh, to come to life again, if you want to position yourself so that those things that are just dormant, comfortable, you're just you're casually looking at it, if, if, you're, if you're just, if it's just there and you're like, uh, it used to be something that I was passionate about, I'm no longer passionate about, go back to what God has said to you. Go back to the promises that he has made to you. He's still big enough to make them happen in your life. Amen? Amen? And Jesus, just, just as a side note, this is free. He came to give life and life to the full. So he's very invested, very interested in you living a, a, a kind of life that uh, is, is abundant, that's full, that's blessed, that's prosperous, that's healthy, you know? He, he's, he's able to do these things. So we need to believe what the word says if we're going to be positioned to experience this resurrection life. See, this is not just some holiday Jesus wanted to inaugurate. He wanted his believers to have life flowing in them and flowing from them, right? Not dead things, right? Not, not uh, uh, broken promises, frustrations, you know, discouragement, depression. He wants to bring life. He wants to bring life. The second point, how do we position ourselves? Second point, build faith through the testimony of others. Um, we're going to look at the resurrection narrative here. Um, the testimony of others. There's got to be other people around you or you should get people around you that have experienced this resurrection life that I'm talking about. That it's not just some historical thing 2,000 years ago, but there is life happening. There's breakthrough. There's hope. There's, there's good things happening in someone's life around you. Get around them. And not only get around them, but listen to what, they, listen to what God has done. Because I believe when you, when you hear the testimony of what God did in someone's life, you can apply that to your life. Because God says, I am no respecter of persons. I don't play favorites. I have favorites. And I am his, one of his favorites, but so are you, right? <laughs> so if you're a favorite of God, then why wouldn't he want to give the kind of life to you that he's given to others? 
You with me? So, so let's, let's look at this narrative. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to look at a few things related to the resurrection story. You can find them in the four Gospels, Matthew 28, uh, Luke 20, um, 24, um, uh, Mark chapter 16, and then in John chapter 20. These, this is where, and you might want to just sit back and read these and check it out and try and piece these things together, but it's amazing. There's this woman named Mary Magdalene that experienced some amazing breakthrough uh, as, as Jesus ministered to her. She had a bad, checkered, tainted uh, history, and she, she got free, you know? She got free, and she partnered with Jesus' mom and another woman, and um, so they were sort of ministering alongside Jesus. They would go where he goes and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, after Jesus died the third day, the Bible tells us that very early in the morning, it was still dark out, very early in the morning, they went to the tomb. And what they found at the tomb was the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away. So they look in the tomb. The tomb is empty, but they see angels there. And the angels have a message for these women. And one, one portion of the message is this. He is not here. He's risen. Jesus is alive and alive forevermore. So, so she, they're excited. And this Mary Magdalene, uh, you know, she, she sees the tomb. She hears the message. She runs and tells the disciples. Well, guess what? How do you, how, do you think the disciples believed her? They didn't believe her. See, we, we need to be the kind of people that hear a testimony of what God did or the greatness of God and believe it, right? Okay, so in Luke 24, verse 11, after Mary runs and tells Peter and John, it says this in uh, verse 11, it says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Now, didn't I just get done reading to you that Jesus told them time and time again, on the third day, I'm gonna rise, Right? We are so hard, hard-headed, hard-hearted sometimes that Jesus, you know, Jesus could make promises to us. We could forget them. We could let them go. We could lose faith. But listen, he doesn't give up on us because he, have, he has good intentions for us. He loves us, right? He wants to reveal his goodness in our lives. So uh, they didn't believe her. And it says, the Bible says later on in that same chapter that there were two disciples that were leaving town. They left Jerusalem. At this point in time, there was, it's believed that there was a persecution going on. Christians were getting sort of um, persecuted, arrested. It wasn't, it wasn't good to be a Christian in that day. Um, but there were two disciples leaving town, and they were heading to this town called Emmaus. And interestingly enough, the risen Christ, who was no longer in the tomb, appears to them and begins to walk with them. He's physically there. He's actually alive. This is real flesh. This is real Jesus. This is not a spirit. This is not a figment of their imagination. And he begins to talk to them. And he says, you know what? How foolish. You guys don't even believe what the Old Testament, what the prophets wrote in the Old Testament. You guys are slow of heart to believe. And eventually, on that journey to Emmaus, he revealed himself to them. And they're like, oh. This is amazing. We are going to go and tell the disciples. Well, they, they begin the journey back to tell the disciples. And we find in that same chapter, Luke 24, verse 40 and 41, it says, And he said this, uh, and when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Look at this. While they still could not believe it. 
Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's easy to look back and criticize, but the reality is, what is going on here? You know, they walked with this guy for three and a half years. They knew the Old Testament cold, right? The Old Testament prophesies about this Savior that's going to rise from the dead. He tells them he is he. They even confirm it. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But somehow, some way, it's all muddled. They didn't believe the testimony of the two men that were walking to Emmaus. The disciples didn't. And what we find uh, is that even though he appeared to the disciples, they didn't believe it. Now, in John chapter 20, we see another instance. John chapter 20, verse 25, it says, So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is who? Who do you think this is? Yeah, this is Doubting Thomas. This poor guy is labeled in heaven as, I mean, you're going to say, oh, you're Doubting Thomas? Like, how would you like that, that fixed to your name? Every one of the other disciples doubted too. You see, Jesus revealed himself to those disciples, and they didn't believe. Thomas is like, he's, he vocalizes, he's like, man, I want to see this. Because he wasn't, Thomas wasn't present when Jesus revealed himself to the other disciples. He's like, I'm going to need to stick this finger in his side and in his hands. And until that day, I'm not going to believe your testimony. You want to position yourself to experience resurrection power? This is what you need to do. Grab hold of the testimony of people around you. Listen, people around you can experience God. And it can help build your faith. Because resurrection life is flowing from heaven. Jesus said, pray this way. That thy, uh, he said that heaven would come to earth, right? He, I want you to pray this way. That uh, you are in heaven. And I want, your, I want what's going on in heaven to come to earth. I want what's going on in heaven to come, uh, take place in my life, in my home, in my marriage, in my, in my parenting, in my workplace. I, I want the goodness of heaven all over me. Listen, that is resurrection power. The things that are, are dormant. Uh, not alive, not thriving, coming to life. That's resurrection power. It can be experienced in our day right now. So Thomas didn't believe. Now listen to me. I'm going to share a positive story with you as I prepare to close here. My wife, years ago, years ago there was this movement in Toronto. God was showing up. Uh, people's lives were radically touched. Um, and people were, you know, people were coming from all over the world to experience what God was doing in Toronto. Well, my wife had the opportunity to go there. I don't even know what, it was like a women's conference or something. And um, I didn't know much about it, but I'm just, you know, she went, she went with another church. And when she came back, she got back at like two, three o'clock in the morning. I remember her waking me up. I mean, this woman was wrecked. I, I didn't even know who she was. I mean, I knew that was my wife, but she was so radically different. It was like, you know, she was crying over the goodness of God. She, was, she, she said, God just broke so many things off of my life and set me free from this thing and this thing and this thing. And, and I just remember her testimony, her testimony uh, catapulted my desire to experience that stuff. Lord. You see what I mean? So, so we could either hear like the disciples, and not believe, or we can hear and say, I want some of that. 
You know what I mean? I, I'm going to get me some of that because, you know what, if that's God, I, I, I need some of that in my life. I need him to change me the way he's changing you. I need him to fill me or set me free or heal me the way he did in your life too. And so I want that in my life. See, we, we can benefit from the testimony or build our faith from the testimony of others. So you, you, you want to experience resurrection life. How do you position yourself? Believe. Start to, you know what? Whatever, whatever you stopped believing, ask God to restore that in your heart. Yeah. Believe what Jesus said. Believe what Jesus spoke to you. Believe what was prophesied over you if you felt like it was from the Lord. Secondly, uh, build your faith through the testimony of others. Maybe it didn't happen in your life yet, but you know what? I, I believe it's just a matter of time. If you begin to apply faith to say, wait a second, God's doing something amazing in that person. I want to hear what's going on there. But, and thirdly, here's the third point I want to give you is this. Hang around with people whose lives have been affected or changed or impacted by the power of the resurrection. You need to get around people that are different. Listen, you're not going to change if you're staying around with the people that are pulling you down or at the same level as you. So, so here's what we see in the resurrection. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul who was not part of the early church. In fact, he was a persecutor of the early church. Paul is writing to this, this city, Corinth, and the people that uh, he had a part to play in, in their, uh, re- their Christian history. And this is what he says. In fact, what we see is the resurrection becomes part of the gospel. So he writes in 1 Corinthians 15. This is 25 years later. This is 25 years after Jesus rose from the dead. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ... Now look at this. This is, this is the gospel in a nutshell. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared... Who did he appear to? Cephas, which is also known as Peter. Then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 Brethren at one time. Isn't that amazing? I don't know. What do you have? Like a, what do you have? Like a service or something? You know, hey, come out. The resurrected Christ is, is going to be here. We want 500 people at one time. This is, this is amazing. He goes on to say, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and the last of all, he appeared to me also. So here's this Paul. He, he, begins, he begins to experience the same resurrection life 25 years later or some, several years after Jesus actually rose from the dead. Now let me tell you how the resurrection impacted people in Jesus' day. There was this, this half-brother of Jesus named James. And while Jesus was walking the earth, James wanted nothing to do with this man. James wanted nothing to do with Jesus. It says that his brothers didn't even believe. He's, he was probably part of the group that said, who is this? This is the carpenter's son. I mean, you know, Nazareth. There was, there was no miracles being done there because of their unbelief and dishonor toward Jesus, right? James all of a sudden becomes one of the most central figures in all of Christianity. He becomes the apostle to Jerusalem, to the, the pastor of all the people in Jerusalem. He even wrote the epistle James. This is the unbelieving brother. Do you think that this guy would have been so radically different if 
Everyone knew this is a lie. Let's, hey, let's just pretend that Jesus is the Messiah. Do you think he would have been so different that he would put his life on the line? That he, you know, uh, suffer persecution, potentially even death, as a result of the faith that he had? The same thing with, with Jesus' half-brother Jude. You read the book of Jude, it's the last book before Revelation. Another brother of Jesus. Uh, you know, his mother. These people were, were radically different. They didn't believe, and then they started to believe. How about his disciples? I mean, it is, to me, it is inconceivable to believe that someone would perpetuate and continue a lie for years and years as they watched their loved ones around them killed for the faith that they believed in, right? Yet they chose to worship him. They were eyewitnesses to this resurrection. They were eyewitnesses to his death. They saw him uh, when he walked this earth and the power that he had. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes to life. He fulfills the promises that he made. And he offers that resurrection life, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, to live in each and every follower of Jesus. Now this is amazing. This is amazing. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Right? We have some power residing in us. Power to live for God. Power to affect change. Power to see signs, wonders, and miracles flow through our very being as God chooses to use us. Amen? That is amazing. So we, we position ourselves by believing God's word, clinging to the testimony of people around us, and hanging around with people that are walking in that resurrection life uh, experience. Now, um, l- let me just close with a few thoughts here because I- I'm telling you, I- Jesus didn't go to the cross and come to life for nothing. He wants that life flowing into your body and out of your body. He, wa- he wants to bring dead things back alive again. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're experiencing, but let me tell you about me. A long time ago, I decided to go in on, on the reality that the resurrection was for me. It changed me. Uh, his power flows through me. I, I see it evident regularly. And not only the resurrection life, but the promises that Jesus made. I decided to go in. And sometimes you just have to pursue these things. You need to, you need to just say, you know what? I am going to go after it. I don't care what it takes. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to set this thing aside. I'm going after the promises that God has made for me. Listen, they're great. The Bible says that there are great and precious promises for those who believe. And I don't know what you need in your life today, but he is the one who can fulfill it. So I desire you to do the same thing. Go in on the promises and the reality of resurrection power available for you today. Listen to me. It is the resurrection that makes Christianity different from every other world religion out there. Listen, if you were to take a roll call at the tombs of the great leaders of the world religions, you would find something astounding. You could stand there and say, Muhammad, he'd say, here. You could say, Buddha, he'd say, here. You could say, confuse us. I mean, Confucius. Uh, here. You could say, Abraham. You'd, he, you'd hear a response, here. When you'd say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Here. He's, not in, he's not in the tomb. He's not there. You know why? Because he's risen. He is alive. Hallelujah. You won't find his bones in Jerusalem. 
And because he's alive today, he offers resurrection life to everyone who chooses to believe. What a great promise. As we launch the series going in, listen, I invite you to go in on, in your pursuit of the promises that he has made over your life. Amen? Now listen, I, I want to close with this thought. There are some here that you really never, you never invited Jesus to come and take residence in your life. You never invited his spirit to come and live in you and make you whole and forgive you and take away the shame, the guilt, the condemnation and, and, uh, and, and offer his love so freely. And if that's the case, then, you know, that same spirit can't be living in you because God doesn't force his way in. But let me just tell you something. He loves you, and he's made a way. He's offered this free gift to say, listen, you invite me in, I'll come in, and I'll change everything. I'll make you whole. I'll begin to bring life into those dead areas. The Bible says that he makes all things new. Those are not my words. Those are his words. Behold, all things are made new. Man, that is powerful. What a great promise. So uh, if, if you're in that place, I, I want to just pray for you. So I'm just going to invite, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and I'm going to just offer a prayer to those who are willing to receive it. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in Romans chapter 10. Because this whole, this whole believing God is tied to the resurrection. He said this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead. You see this? This is the gospel that we, we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Maybe two of you said that. Let's try again. <laughs> Jesus is Lord, right? Lord. Right? So we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. In essence, saying that God has the power to take dead things and make them alive again. And I'm choosing to invite him to do that in my life. Amen? Would you close your eyes, just bow your head? I'm just going to pray with you. I'm not here uh, to do anything other than just lead you uh, in a prayer if that's something you choose. But listen, there's a promise that God has made. That there is a free gift. Nothing you've earned. You could be the most horrific person on the face of the planet in this room today. Nothing you've earned. Nothing you've... you've, uh, been disqualified from. He's made that gift available to each and every one. You could be the best person, most outstanding person in your community, but you still need the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And he chooses to come and reside in us. Now, you're not, you know what? Uh, You can't say, well, if he, you know, if you really knew who I was. No, he knows who you are. And he sent his son to die for you. And there's nothing you could do to prepare yourself like, oh, I've got to clean up some things in my life. I've got to end this relationship. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop looking at this. That's, that's not a prerequisite. You come as you are because of his great love for you. And so if that's you and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I, I want, listen, I, I, need, I need some of that Jesus in my life. I, I need forgiveness. I, I want to choose to begin that relationship with God. And I've never had that relationship with God. I want the spirit of God to come alive in me and begin to make the dead things alive again. If that's you and you, you would like me to pray for you, say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just lift your hands just quickly so 